dinosaurs. Hey, you like Pez? It looks like that has Heaney from the boundary line. He's an expert at these. Hello and welcome to Behind the Boundary Podcast. I'm your host, Pez. I'm here with Source. It is grand final week and it is uh, Collingwood uh, against the rest of Australia. Yeah, pretty much, Pez. Uh, welcome and so happy it's grand final week. It's uh, a lot more uh, up and about than it was last year. Last year felt very lacklustre, uh, but this year it, it all of Melbourne is alive and the final build-up, I think, with Carlton and, and going on their little streak and GWS going on their streak, everyone's up and about and everyone's pumped for a, a big grand final day. Yeah, the thing uh, Collingwood supporters are still going on about Carlton. Like, Carlton, they had to stull a season in the end because they finished up in a prelim final outside of the top four in Brisbane where no other side had beaten them for the year. Got within 16 points, were actually five goals up. And you, you speak about that at quarter time, most people around Australia would have thought, this is going to be Collingwood versus Carlton. This is going to be chaos in Victoria. And half the city is going to be burnt on fire no matter the result. Well, you looked at the betting market at the end of that first quarter, Pez, and the bookies still had it uh, even money. So they, they, they still weren't convinced that the Brisbane Lions were dead. But you are right. The uh, I was at a, at, a, at a Bucks party and we were watching the uh, <laughs> the, the first quarter uh, and the, we were watching it on our phone. But as soon as that happened, we rushed over there. And by the time we got there, reality check. But all those Carlton fans were uh, very, very excited and uh, probably a pre-celebration too. Ah, you've got to get excited when your team's up five goals in a prelim final, especially when you haven't been in finals for 10 years. But the amount of Carlton supporters that got to the Gabba was astounding. Watching it on TV from the lounge room, there was more Carlton supporters. There was more noise for Carlton. And uh, it was only the 11th biggest crowd in Gabba history, which was pretty disappointing, probably because of the clash with the uh, Brisbane Broncos as well, not being able to get to both games. Yeah, I mean, the, the Carlton fans, uh, they, they came up in tribes and they probably, you know, they haven't seen finals in a long time and uh, they may not see it for a little while again. We know Essendon has been one of those teams that haven't been able to get to September recently and win a final and you've got to take advantage when your team's in it and you're on one of those miraculous runs like the Doggies, the Giants, uh, Melbourne a couple of years ago. You take advantage of it and just, you know, you just sit there and hope. Oh, well, you've got to take advantage when you are there because uh, Collingwood, they've been up there for a couple of years, a, a one-point loss in a prelim final and a little bit of heartbreak and uh, a lot of players drop to the ground and then Craig McRae says, don't be a loser, stand up, You, we're doing this and they've they've come out again, they were on fire first half of the season, they, you know, teed it off to the end, finished on top and, you know, got over the line against Melbourne, got over the line against GWS, that was the best game of football, uh, the one that we haven't spoken about yet, the best game of football I've watched in 2023. The intensity was high uh, for both sides and the, and the way the ball was moved and the, the way the players were going for the footy, it was just amazing to watch. And the last seven or eight minutes, no score. Like... It, it's unheard of in a in an AFL footy game. Yeah, it was a game that uh, was extremely contested. It was, you know, frantic football. And I messaged you during that first quarter. I'm like, hey, there, there, no way these teams keep this up for four more quarters, and, well, three more quarters, and they did. Uh, and, you know, both teams had opportunities to have runs, and it wasn't poor kicking on, on anyone's behalf. The, you know, there was been the, the biggest story out of it was the umpiring it towards the end, which we'll, we'll talk about in a moment. But and an unbelievable game of football. Uh, both teams played to their strengths. Both teams sort of locked down big players. Big players had big impacts there you know you had to 
Goey on the bench uh, for the last seven or eight minutes, wow. uh, which is incredible. But they were able to, you know, good teams find a way to win. And, you know, credit to GWS. And we were on the Orange team. But Collingwood, two years in a row, have uh, found a way to make themselves, uh, you know, an opportunity to win a prelim. And, and you know, this time they got the chocolates. Yeah, one point, low scoring, and uh, the umpires literally swallowed the whistle. Like, that's what we ask for all the time. But I want consistency because I want it in every single game. They kind of uh, didn't even go the blatant high tackles. We know Toby yeah. Green gets a, a rough end of the stick, and he got tackled high a couple of times around the neck. And just because of his reputation and the Collingwood fans at the MCG, the umpires just go, nah. You, we can make a case that you ducked your knees and we're not going to pay you a free kick. I think there were two that they should have... I think there was something went up on Twitter, a Sir Swamp thing or someone put out in the last two minutes there and the, the nine free kicks there that were all labelled and and they generally were towards GWS as well. But the two blatant ones was the, the Toby Green one, which came out the five-minute mark out. That was, that was probably the first of the worst uh, and it had the, the literally just choked him, just literally grabbed hold of his throat, uh, Adam's apple and everything. That, that one should have been paid. And the one down the line where the guy has actually just come straight into his back and just landed on him and then both players have gone down to the floor and they've just caught a ball uh, like a, I think it was a throw in so they were the two that really stuck out and I think if they had just paid those two you could have been fine with the rest but because it continually flowed on and just it was back this way free kick back this way free kick and both the commentators were sitting there and they're like come on like surely surely you've got to be calling that stuff and that's when it sticks out oh yeah it, it's no good at all but I think GWS cost themselves because uh, you've got, always got to beat you know, umpiring decisions. You do, You've course. always got to try and, to do that. And GWS did really well not to sit there and sook. Well, they, Toby they Green, really well. we've spoken about it in the past. Oh, he he, he doesn't incredible. sook. What an incredible he, leader. He got, you know, taken around the neck and he just stands up and he goes to the next contest and just tries his heart out. He had that shot, uh, that snapshot, which was on track and got marked on the line that if it just snuck through for a behind. But earlier in the game, GWS, they took pot shots from 40, 45 out and it was because of Collingwood's pressure. But they had one or two men over the top you know, 15 metres out would have been a really easy set shot at goal and they just couldn't find their composure to do that. So they'll reflect on this. We'll see if they can come back bigger and better next year and try not to make it so hard for themselves by being so poor in the early start. And a lot of people will have GWS in their top four next year and a, and a premiership contender. Yeah, what do you think about Carlton? Do you think a lot of people will have them as a, a top four contender? I know GWS had that late run and with the new coaching uh, change and them getting the personnel, well, not getting the personnel, but having the personnel there. Carlton's a different story. This is something that's been building for a little while. Did it click at the right time or is this something to the next couple of years to look forward to? Uh, it's not a, look forward to, but to, to, to be prepared for. For mine, they've got uh, too many players in that bottom six that just aren't consistent enough and if they can take the next step and become household names sure but I think they just relied in the final series on too many players who weren't out and out superstars we had Sam Walsh overperform and, and do really really well Charlie Kerno went really quiet and you know got double team when Mackay wasn't there and uh, just got taken care of in that Brisbane game in the final three quarters so uh, I think they got a lot of work to do I, I think uh, when they are clicking and when they're going well everything runs smoothly yeah but when they go, you know, behind by two goals, behind by three goals, they, they find it hard to, to stem the flow of games. And I think Michael Voss coaching down there on the boundary line, he's more of a motivator. He doesn't really make uh, the moves that he needs to make at certain times or just you know, try something else. So you'd find a lot of Carlton supporters saying, we struggle to have plan B, plan C, plan D, so on and so forth. 
yeah, he was very good at adjusting when they're in a, a losing position and they need to claw their way back because you've got nothing to lose. But when they've got actually the game to lose and the team starts calling their way back, those mid mid uh, quarter adjustments is something that he, he obviously didn't do very well. Um, and you know the other team kicking poorly didn't get him out this time. And Brisbane looked fantastic. And we will get onto that grand final in just a moment, Pez. But a good little lead up to it in the, the uh, lead up to grand final is always Brown Lopez. And uh, it was a uh, there's been a lot of talk about the. Brownlow after um, some questionable votes have gone there and the umpires uh, have come under criticism about how they're doing their voting and the players receiving votes. Yeah, well, a lot of messages up on the, the socials about our Brownlow medal because one of the years we, we didn't do a Brownlow show. Uh, it's good, good that we didn't put any tips out, mate. We weren't that interested, but uh, we, we, you know, we sat down together for an hour on the Monday, so it was too late to put anything out anyway for the for the listeners. But we had a look at mostly... We did reply to a couple of messages that came through the Instagram and Twitter. We did sort of flick them out, the people that reached out. So thank you for that and apologies for <laughs> for a couple of little uh, recommendations. But a lot easier when they come to us with these and ask for our thoughts because when that happened, we were able to uh, to survive with some knowledgeable advice there, Piz. Yeah, well, the best best call that could have been was Errol Goulden in the top five. But you, you talk about some of them to poll three votes, like... There's certain games where where players looked like they would poll three votes. You do it off a little bit of memory, and sometimes you remember games a lot better than um, other supporters. So if you go for a certain team, you watch your games very closely, and you know what happened and and why players did that. I was certain Christian Petrarca was going to get uh, the three votes against St Kilda because he was the actual person that turned the match and kicked four goals. He moved forward and absolutely dominated the Saints. They won by twenty one points. And he, he ends up, I don't know if he got one vote or zero votes for that zero game, but that it game. was, um, yeah, a very, very difficult to comprehend what the umpires were looking at or seeing. Uh, so for me, it was a very, very strange Brownlow medal. Very puzzling, Pez. Uh, you know, we I, don't, I spoke to you on the Monday uh, about some of the stats that I'd you know, done some research on. And up until that Brownlow medal, 70% of players that got the perfect 10 coaches votes votes. 70% of the time they were polling three uh, three votes in the Brownlow. This time there were 16 players that got three votes that weren't even mentioned in the coaches' votes. Didn't and even that, get one. Didn't even get one. And, and that's really concerning. You know, the coaches' votes, each team, each, each coach gives five votes, five votes out, and that's really concerning. You know, you look at Neil, definitely a, a, a worthy Brownlow medalist, possibly a two-time two, two worthy, you know, but he's a fantastic player. But, you know, he didn't poll in the top ten in the uh, Alpha, the Players' Award. He didn't poll top 10 in the Coaches Award and he didn't make All-Australian. And then to win a Brownlow, it is a little puzzling when you look at a you know a whole season um, and you're trying to work out the easy, the best player. It's the most prestigious award. I know now it's the, the conversation is sort of shifting towards that Players and that Coaches Award, but it is a little bit concerning from a punter's point of view and it's something that you know we'll we live and learn from we spoke about it we said we probably need to stay away from the three votes because you're now relying on four other blokes who don't look at the stats to then try and remember what they did during a very high intensity situation yeah so something we didn't know what would happen with the four umpires and and how it would go so we know that things have changed there when you talk about prestigious awards i would rate the coaches votes uh super super high because the coaches usually get it right. You look at the coaches' votes and you go, yep, I agree. You look at the votes from like journalists in, in the paper the next day, sometimes you don't agree and you're like, well, how did that guy get in there? You just looked and he had 40 touches and, and you popped him in, yep. but he wasn't very good. Uh, and then the umpires, I don't know what in the world they were looking at in some games. Some players that they gave three votes who had no impact on the game and some players who had the most impact to not get a single vote 
and not being the top three best players on the ground. It was just really puzzling uh, for me. And Brownlow is literally dead to me. I am uh, not punting on it again. Oh, wow. No. Oh, you heard it here first. Yep. I'll see you in uh, next year's time and see if we we have the same thing because Pez because I hear this remedy from you every year and you're like you know what I'm going to sit there and do notes for my own game and we're going to do every game and the next year I'm going to be ahead of it and this year the same as the last five years you looked at your notes and go oh, I did one game and that's it we did one so it'll be interesting to see if you can stick to your uh, guns there Pez because it is a fun night I do and what do enjoy watching it having a bit of a punt there and there I enjoy watching it I hate that the votes are opened beforehand and yeah. people already know the winner and they make their little. Uh, clips and videos to try and uh, keep the audience engaged, and I know it's a it's a profitable thing, but I'm, I'm a bit iffy on the the major sponsor of the AFL being Sportsbet, and then uh, you know some some players and some dodgy votes going around uh, for the three votes, for the two votes, for the one vote. So uh, I am very skeptical. I know it's 2023, so it's a lot harder to do. Easier in the in the 80s or the 90s. Definitely to, a little bit easier you know, for the brown paper, paper bag. To get that end of season trip money. But uh, this time, uh, yeah, it's just just not for punting, I don't think. Yeah, it's, I mean, you are reliant on – you can do as much research as you want and that's what you normally do as a punter. You're looking for edges. But uh, after seeing this, it's, it's something that definitely has thrown something under fire. It'll be under fire more next year. So maybe it'll be so obvious that all the all, there'll be no value left because all the $1.20s and the $1.40s uh, will be the, the three voter getters because they will just, you know, wait with the media. So for us at the, behind the band, we'll probably look to lean towards maybe into players or look into, you know, you know totals of each sort of clubs but probably stay away from those three votes we'll see what happens with uh how it comes out so uh, brownlow medal over but Lockie neil winning it and you know nick dacos yeah, was sense. going to win it throughout the thing he he probably is deservant to be a dual brownlow medals oh, yeah, because patrick cripps last year for carlton well, yeah, he was suspended for two weeks and then didn't even make finals and either. then somehow got off and you know, beat Lockie Neal and Lockie Neal became runner-up. So uh, it's a it's a marathon of work from Lockie Neal to get the respect from the umpires and, and to get the votes. So I would say he's not really deserving for this Brownlow medal, but he is a deserving two-time Brownlow medal winner and a lot of pressure and a lot of interviews this week for, on him he, going he, into the grand final. He did very well uh, in, the, in the actual Brownlow speech himself. He did just, not expect to win. No, no, it was, that was very evident. And uh, you could see that he just – it was very good to hear an honest um, you know, person speaker with that uh, the jubilee of, and the excitement of actually winning it and then to uh, basically just, you know, sorry, sorry, I'm not in there in Melbourne. No, I actually just uh, – sorry, not sorry, guys. I'm actually very glad that I'm not there and I can Where did Chris home. Fagan pull the Brownlow from? Yeah. How did – what happened there? I mean, they're, they're that in itself, you know what I mean? They like do that. No, they do that every, every year. They have them in different different states. A little sneaky, but Brownlow. You should just steal one and then you get a couple of sneaky Fagan photos. had it in his pocket in case Lockie Neal won it. Mm. Just, oh, I dropped it when I went to the toilet and just Fagan never even played AFL, won a Brownlow. Or just get the sneaky photos after. <laughs> if, he, if he doesn't, if he actually doesn't get the, the chocolates there, just the old, uh, oh, look, you know, he's a... Cameras he's a, are gone. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> You'd love that. All right, let's speak about some uh, real winners and losers. Pez, let's talk into our bet review. Review. It's no official review. How does it end? We don't know. They kind of lost, but they won as well. Yeah, so uh, I I had the uh, the two or the twenty point middle for the Collingwood GWS game under one sixty seven point five at the dollar ninety, which would have got up really easily. But I also went over one forty six point five, which is about a dollar fifteen, and uh, didn't happen because it was what a hundred and something points, not not too many. 
there. So that was way off. So I have a bonus to play in the grand final. I also had Brisbane over 92.5 points, which uh, didn't pay off because they, they hardly scored. They scored one goal in that first quarter and that bet was pretty much done at that stage. And then my, you know, multi with my bonus bet of uh, the quarter timeline, half timeline, would have, would have been all right after uh, quarter time, how Brisbane came out. But, you know, that's the risk with those bets because uh, quarter time line, Brisbane minus four and a half, they're down by 22 points. Yeah, definitely. Uh, really hard to swallow when uh, they control the rest of the game there, Pez, but that sometimes happens in finals. So. Yeah, lost, lost two units for the round. Uh, so profit for the season goes down to 37.24 units of profit at 21% ROI. But that's going to go down... A lot more if uh, if I don't win in the grand final because I'm just going all in and you everyone will already know where I'm going as well. Exactly right. Everyone knows uh, everyone knows your theory in finals pairs, which is not wise for a punter to to don't to punt follow with what I say. Tonight, grand yes. finals, no good for Let's me. get through my bets, Pez. I only had one winner last weekend. It was either team under 15.5 points in the GWS Collingwood game. That was, uh, that was uh, you know, free money for me, basically. Uh, a dollar, uh, profited 1.65 units from that one. Uh, the rest of them were all losers. I had a bonus bet, which I threw down from the week before that didn't get up. Needed Carlton uh, to, not, to hold on. Uh, and just sort of lay down and die pairs in Brisbane to keep that 25-plus league, and I would have been covered. Instead, I go with a minus 2.5, uh, so 2.35 unit loss for, for that round, pairs. And it's been a little while since I've had a loss, so it was good to be humbled. I'll go back to the, <laughs> go back to the drawing board, and, you know, if we, we, we talk about the whole year, pairs. I've put down 215 units and uh, profited 91.15 units. That uh, dream of nine, uh, 100 units in a season is still alive, but uh, we'll, be You've rel- go we'll, be, we'll be reliant on... One uh, one team winning, oh, one team winning. Maybe a, a cheeky Norm Smith. Norm Smith. Well, I hope, bet. Look, if one of little Norm Smith gets up, then I am absolutely. Laugh, you, but I might be two hundred units up there. Yeah, <laughs> you might be there, but it will, we will struggle to lose the combined one hundred and twenty-eight units. I think. This well, I thought weekend. you said you were going all in, so I thought you were putting thirty-seven, 37. units, 37 <laughs> units pairs on uh, one team and just go hammer nah, and tongue. I was, I was thinking of going, which isn't sensible to do, but I was thinking of betting seven point two four units. So if I lost every bet. I'd have 30 units profit for the year, uh, but oh, I'm not doing that because I've got to go with some promos and stuff. So yeah. we'll see what happens. You got to sort of spread your spread spread your seed out a little bit with no. them. No, no, <laughs> no. I mean across bookies, different bookies. Yeah, if if they've got the specials, <laughs> if they've got the specials, uh, chase the specials. Some of them, oh, I haven't seen many specials this week. No, nah, they'll come out Thursday, Friday, pairs. Oh, exactly. So what are we doing? Let's get straight into the bet slip, and we can discuss the specials. The fact that the size of the bets was relatively small. Now Bex with an opportunity about 50 metres out. I was with a mate and um, we were getting getting sort of ready to leave and he, he said, um, I think I'm going to whack 10 on on Maxie. Do you want, do you want some as well? And I, I said... I said straight into those specials, Pez. Cyril takes a special and goes bang. Uh, Blue bet. We got the 12 up in the grand final, so kudos to them. They've done really well to keep that that basically the whole season. So congratulations keep to Blue bet. Not a big, not a massive uh, betting company, but they, they've done really well. I'd love to see the numbers on the, you know, the the wins and losses and the, and the profit, but they probably don't mind if if people win on it uh, and they get up at half time because then they might want to what they're trying to do is they're trying to get you to punt on other things and, and trying to get you to lose that money back anyway. So um, the only thing I saw on Sportsbet was bring your own AFL grand final bet at the moment. So 
I didn't see a free hit or anything. No, like they've got that. the they've got their three uh, plus leg same game insurance special, but they're very very um, strategic about it. Pairs it says add selections to your bet ship and only if you've got available tokens. So if you have, uh, I found out that I'm banned from NFL betting after <laughs> my last year's profits because uh, I didn't have any F- NFL tokens. So if you've got AFL tokens to spend, then you're eligible. Um, and it's the same with Neds. They've got a three leg same game multi special. Uh, it's not sorry uh, with uh, Ladbrokes. I meant the same company, but uh, they've got that special as well. One leg loses money back. Ladbrokes do, do they? Ladbrokes do. I couldn't find it before. So You've um, been banned from another one. There we go. No, but um, <laughs> I tried to get the missus <laughs> to look at it and see if she could uh, find She's it. She's been banned too. No, no the good. alternate account gone. No good there. Um, but yeah, that's all I really found. They'll come out later on Thursday and Friday. So have a look at that. And uh, betting companies love grand final weekend because a lot of people put on a lot of bets. Casual where, punters. You know, they, they pay ridiculous odds and uh, that's what the bookies love to see. So try and punt smartly if you want to punt for a little bit of fun and only risk what you can afford to lose. I think with my advice for, for, for Grand Final Day, if you're a casual punter and somehow you've come across us, welcome, subscribe, like, all that sort of uh, hoo-ha, is that don't – if you're going to put down bets and you think something's going to happen, just single bet it. Like the odds are pretty good Grand Final Day because you can get 15 and 20 markets on pretty much every player for disposals. If you think a team's going to win, don't pair it up with a norm because you, you, you're obviously going for a 50-50 shot and now you're putting it one in 44 as well if you're 50-50. So do your norm separate. Stay away from your first goal scorer. They're never that good. They're, they're always a random one pops up. They're not great during the season anyway. Look at your anytime goal scorers. Look at your, your couple of your main people for disposals. If you're going to do a couple of uh, Norm Smith bets, then just be smart about it. Don't just hit the, the favourites at $7, $9, $7, $9. You're better to wait, see how the game first quarter pays out, and jump on a live bet. Well, the live bet on the Norm is really good, but I'm still scarred from uh, 2016 when I had I got Tom uh, Boyd at, at three bucks. Oh, that's where my, my, my luck started. I had Johannesson that year. That was good. Yeah, and Johannesson played one a, great quarter. Oh, great quarter and then had an absolute shitful, probably one of the worst grand finals in that last three quarters that you could see. Got a lot of the pill but turned the ball over something shocking. But um, that's another story <laughs> as well. That's seven years ago and that still sticks, doesn't it? So I mean, that premiership still sticks with me, mate. The, the Western Bulldogs finding their way to one. But uh, hopefully this day will be all about the interstate teams beating Collingwood because, as you said, if you're not going for Collingwood... Um, um, and you don't follow Collingwood religiously, then 90% of Melbourne is betting and winning and hoping that the Lions can put a sock in those Collingwood supporters' so, mouth. Uh, people listening will probably like, what, why the hate for Collingwood? Uh, why the hate for other clubs? So I don't hate many clubs, but I absolutely hate Collingwood and I hate Essendon and I hate Carlton. So those are the three clubs I absolutely hate. Now, I don't actually know a supporter that's a bad supporter for any of those clubs. I've got good mates that are Collingwood supporters that, you know, are, are genuine yeah. football people and, and really good. I've got um, fam- like family that are Carlton supporters and, you know, they're not nuffies or, you know, saying silly things. And then Essendon, I've got, I've got a really good mate that's an Essendon supporter and he's he's really genuine about the footy and he, he's not a larrikin like all these other um, keyboard warriors out there. But that's the thing that makes you hate those clubs is all the stuff on social media and all the the fans that just have no idea and they're one-eyed so so that's the reason it's not that's against got nothing, individual that's got nothing people. to do with Collingwood there's just when there's a hundred thousand supporters and you take that majority of dickheads I mean when you got a hundred thousand fans that, yeah. that's that's a huge percentage now I've been to a, a lot of footy games as well and you, you go to games and take out the interstate clubs because uh, I haven't been to every single interstate club and I'm sure there's idiot supporters for every single club but 
when you sit there at a Collingwood game, it's just cringeworthy the the amount of crap that you hear in in any spot you sit. Like I'll still hear it for a St Kilda game from oh, yeah, my, our own fans own because they some of them are complete idiots as well. But the majority of them, the uh, teams that have more supporters, tend to be bigger idiots. So that that's the reason for the hate for those three clubs. Yeah, and and for me, it's um I actually just most when it gets to grand final day, I just pick the side that I like uh, like like more. Uh, and I've I've enjoyed Brisbane's football this year. I thought they've been you know, I think they've been one of the top two sides, obvious. Um, uh, but I do actually think that they have, uh, and I'll go through why I'm I'm sticking with Brisbane. Um, despite uh, me wanting them to win, I actually think that they're they're, they're a better bet as well at uh, at some of the odds. But let, let's get through the game pairs. We'll talk about some of the, the trends. We're going to see in the game where we can find some value, put our bets down, and then sit back and uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Lead up to Granny. We'll see what happens. All right, we start off uh, with Collingwood first, taking on second. As we said, Collingwood come in favourites at a dollar seventy-three. That MCG home ground advantage and home crowd is playing a massive factor in this game. Two dollars eleven outsiders Brisbane Lions pairs. Um, the total game points pairs one sixty-six and a half, and the line minus four and a half. Uh, Collingwood being the favourite. There, tell me about this game, Pez. It's it's the season has all been leading to this first versus second, the two best sides throughout uh, the majority of the the AFL season twenty twenty three. Well, it's uh, it's crazy stuff. Yeah, top top two, which is uh, you know a couple of deserving sides. Collingwood kind of uh, just got over the line in in both of their finals as well uh, against Melbourne and against GWS. So you're know, struggling a little bit for form, but. They turn it on when it matters, and and their game style is really lends the, to them being able to come back from a from a deficit as well. The last two times they've played this season, Brisbane beat them both both times. Once up at the Gabba early on, and then once it was at um, Etihad Stadium. So, not at the MCG where Brisbane have lost two games this year. One to Hawthorne, uh, which which I was at last time, and Hawthorne were very impressive. But we we speak about the changes. So McStay, unfortunately. Injured his knee, got subbed out in the preliminary final, uh, not able to play this week. Billy Frampton has uh, been named by McRae to be his replacement. And really interesting pick. I think it gives McRae more freedom because he can play Frampton defence, forward or ruck. And it will depend where the hole needs to be filled and and who he wants to play up forward, whether it be Frampton or Jeremy Howe. Uh, But I think that's advantage Brisbane anyway because, uh, you know, Frampton has been... A good swing man coming in as, as a what a third club player, but uh, yeah, he's not a not a real big household name. And they're going to have Cox and Frampton in the ruck, so big McInerney hopefully can take advantage of that. This midfield battle as well is going to be very very juicy. A very contrasting sort of brands of football too. Collingwood have been a side that um, you know have been high scoring during the uh, the actual year and have been a team that wants to, to burn you off that turnover. You know, up the middle of the ground, really moving that ball fast. But in finals, pairs they've they've really um, they've really sort of shifted their football. Both their first finals have been really low scoring, and um, you know they've been really lucky to hold on. Obviously, being an extremely efficient side going forward and almost scoring every time they go into that forward fifty, but they haven't been going uh, in forward fifty as much as they had during the season. Brisbane, on the other hand, you know, they've had, uh, I think they've got, um, I think it's seven or eight uh, goal kickers who have kicked 20 or more goals this year. They're a high scoring side. They bang it in there. That was the biggest worry of them coming to September this year. They've had a, had a handle on that and they've been pretty efficient kicking for goal. The issue is 
Are they going to be able to break through this Collingwood defence that has really, really been tight uh, during the final series? Yeah, and one thing that Collingwood have done really well, even though they haven't scored very high, they've applied maximum pressure oh, to the opposition. So when these Brisbane Lions players are under immense pressure, they're going to be under perceived pressure as well, where there might not be a player within the vicinity to tackle, but they have to rush their kick and they have to you know, take the game on. So it will be very, very interesting. I think Harris Andrews and Ryan Lester have a massive... Uh, game they need to intercept really well but down the other end Darcy Moore does as well and he needs to be made really accountable and need to try and get him in one-on-one situations where the forward can bring the ball to ground because uh, if you just let Darcy Moore run off his man intercept the ball they're going to run the other way with Nick Dacos off the half back they've got Pendlebury through the middle uh, Jordan Degoe is having an amazing final series uh, in, with the clearances and getting that ball inside forward 50 so you know, Collingwood's forward line isn't as strong uh, as Brisbane Lions, but if they get that ball off turnover or intercept and they run the other way, this is how they get their goals, you know, over the top or they, they spot the guy that's free who's doing a, a double back lead uh, and they get him 30 out and they have these these nice set shots at goal if they kick accurate. That's, that's how Collingwood's going to win the game. Brisbane, on the other hand, you need to stop that intercept. You need to be accurate with your kicking because what's cost Brisbane for the five years that they've been up during the season and in finals, is just missing shots at goal that shouldn't be missed. So you need to take your chances. But just blaring away, Pez, you know, like the, the Collingwood, you know, both these teams are top four in, in uh, defence. Both for, both of them are top four in offence. So they've both got, you know, uh, superior defences that for Brisbane's sake, they just need to be strategic in the way in there. And I think that this final series, you've definitely seen that they've addressed it. You saw a little bit of a uh, nervous uh, first quarter against Carlton there where they were sort of just blaring away or blazing away. And then once they got that under control, they, they sort of went back to their structures. A couple of goals out the back got them moving. Uh, but it is going to be really interesting because you know if you look at where the deficits are between these two sides there is a huge hole in that ruck and uh, you mentioned it before Oscar McEnany being you know a really solid um, part of what Brisbane are doing but getting first look at the footy and being able to outmuscle Cox and, and Frampton and uh, you know Cameron and whoever goes in their pairs will be really critical in um, giving first look at the Brisbane midfield and pivotal for them being successful Mason Cox as much as we don't like him pairs he's been really solid through the first two uh, weeks of finals and his role in the ruck not so much as a, a stand up forward but his battle and his uh, grunt work in that ruck contest really has been impressive but again if you look at how he's been winning those contests or keeping competitive it has been body work and Oscar McInerney has an extreme advantage outbodying the uh, the big American yeah, it was uh, the bodywork was really interesting with uh, the big American last week because it was he good. was actually taking advantage of it. And before the the whistle, you meant to stay a meter apart, and he was just doing that, getting away with it. So uh, he did yeah, well. Yeah, he did he really also well. kicked the goal that um, you know so won now, the game. So now he's kicked six goals in finals <laughs> in <laughs> his whole career. Won him the game in the end. So he was able to do that. And you don't want Mason Cox to have a set shot at goal within thirty meters out because you know not growing up with the game. Those players are usually more accurate at goal because they've got the the technique that they've learned throughout that. So the big American, uh, we'll see what he can do on grand final day of the family down there. But the, this clearance work from the Brisbane Lions, if they can get on top of it with Neil, Dunkley, McCluggage uh, and these types and get the ball moving forward, their forward line is super, super dangerous. They need to put these Collingwood defenders under pressure early. So we've got Quaynor, you've got Murphy, you've got Darcy Moore, Jeremy Howe if he plays back down there, or Billy Frampton. They've just got to uh, keep applying that pressure and, and get the ball. Uh, Darcy Moore one-on-one or Isaac Quaynor one-on-one 
if they can start winning those little battles and putting doubt in the Collingwood defender's mind and, you know, not, not knowing where to run and what to do, if they, you know, is Darcy Moore going to keep them composed if that happens and a, and a, st- and a flow starts? Uh, so that's what I'm hoping for, uh, leaning to Brisbane Lions to win the game and uh, solely because I don't want Collingwood to win the grand final. I'll be re- really interested in some of the, the coaching decisions in this one, Piers. Both of these coaches have been, you know, um, you know, Craig McRae has been absolutely fantastic coach the last couple of years in not only building, um, you know, a strategic game plan that relies heavily on them running the pill and taking advantage of their strengths, but you know that mental morale and that 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 the morale around the club and that positive approach to football has been great to watch. Fagan, on the other hand, you know, he's had the cattle there and he he's, has continually made adjustments. But I'll be interested in some of the matchups coming into this. You know, Quayne. Who does he go to? Does he go to Cameron? He's Quayno has been unbelievable this year. Hasn't lost many one-on-one battles, but you know both times that uh, the, the both times that he has lost those opponents has been against Charlie Cameron. Charlie Cameron has really absolutely uh, gone nuts against them. You've also got Dugowie from the other side. Uh, you know, like Dugowie and Dacos. Does Dunkley do a bit of a tag job on Dugowie? Uh He was so dominant last week. Uh, or does he go to the, the to Dacos, that more of an outside player? A lot of decisions there to be made, um, and it's really exciting because both clubs obviously have the cattle there to make it some really really key matchups and I think this game could be one in the coach's block for how close it could be oh some some big name players and and how you're going to play and how you're going to do that now Collingwood we know will be unselfish uh we just need some of the Brisbane Lion players to to be a little bit unselfish as yeah, well Joe Danaher. You, you even saw in the preliminary <laughs> final Joe Danaher he, he just likes to take set sh- like not set shots pings from 60 meters he's so out. focused on trying to get himself in the game that he just just needs to get the team on the game and he doesn't game. he doesn't do the media often but he did do an interview uh, in the prelim final. He actually speaks quite well and, you know, he seems very knowledgeable about the game, but it's just something white line fever with him is all about me, me, me. And just uh, on grand final day, you don't want to be go out there and try and win the Norm Smith medal. You, you don't want to do that. You want to go out there and try and play your role for the team. And if you do that and every player does that and they do it well, then you'll end up with a premiership medal around your neck at the end of the day. So uh, that's what uh, we really need to happen or... I really need to happen, or <laughs> else AFL might be dead to me. Are you all uh, hanging your bets on uh, one sort of team there, Piers, are you? Oh, of course. Of course. <laughs> so everyone knew that since uh, Brisbane were leading in that second quarter. So as best you can, Piers, take us through uh, why Brisbane are going to win, and not because of your, your morals there. Like, obviously, that's who you want to win, but, you know, there, obviously there's some reasons that you're leaning towards Brisbane outside of that as well. And I know that you will talk – you're good enough, Pez, to make up some bullshit about why <laughs> why you can have some stats and why you can have some trends about why Brisbane win this. Well, there's you definitely have got to have uh, a reason to win. They've beat them twice throughout the year. The big advantage to Collingwood is it's at the MCG, and uh, Brisbane have that little bit of a hoodoo. They won a final at the MCG. It was a, a last year against Melbourne, who where they came back and were able to get over the line. This year they lost to Melbourne, where they were four goals up and Melbourne ended up getting over the line in one of the most bizarre victories I've ever seen. And then Hawthorne, they had a, a th- I think it was a three-goal lead going into halftime, and then Hawthorne just came out after halftime and absolutely demolished the Brisbane Lions on the MCG. So uh, it's a big stage. There's a lot of pressure for players. So we, ne- we need players to be effective. We need uh, clearances to be won, and we need to kick straight for goals. So uh, I think the Brisbane Lions forward line, is, is what leans me towards them because they've got so many avenues. If one's not working, uh, they can throw a, a number of guys down there to go to go for it and do it. On the other hand, for Collingwood, you've got Mychek who can probably take a contested mark, but then who else are you going to throw down there 
are you going to throw to Goey down there? But then he's out of the midfield and he's been so dominant in that midfield as well. So there's a few different things. And I think that is advantage Brisbane. Also, as I spoke about the advantage in the ruck, I think Oscar McInerney can take uh, some great intercept marks. He, he's got a roost of a, a right boot on him as well to, to get that ball moving forward. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to be going with Blue Bet, the 12-up special. Brisbane Lions uh, at 2.10. And I'm going to be putting... Uh, four units on that one. Four units on, on Brisbane to get the job done? Yeah, four units. Wow. Putting it all on the line there, Piz. Is that that's your the, only bet? For that's the, not my only bet. No, okay, I've, got, I've, I've got a couple more bets well. As let's, well. Stick, let's stick with the, the head-to-head bet, Bez. I love that bet. I've got two units on Brisbane. Uh, similar sort of thing as what you've said, Bez. Uh, I really, I think if you look at this game, you know, there's a range of different things you could look at. I think if you look at where their strengths are and you rate, rate the list, Brisbane has the list uh, up there in terms of across the ground. They're forward, their midfield, their defence. They uh, have those three main areas covered with, with talent there um, as well as the ruck there. So I'm really looking for forward to, to seeing Brisbane take control of that. If you look at the the, the, the ground, Pez, um, history at this ground doesn't play well in the Brisbane fa- favour. You know, I, I, they've lost uh, 18 of the last 20 at the MCG. None of them bigger than this. So I take that factor out of it. You look at the home crowd advantage that Collingwood get, Pez, they, they have a huge home crowd. Probably 50,000 of those will be supporters that are either on in Brisbane's pocket or corporate. So I think that takes a little bit of the sting out of that there. If you look at history of Pez, the last six times that Brisbane has played Collingwood, that they've beaten them. So their history against this actual team is pretty decent. Um, and then the other thing that I'm looking at is the form coming into these finals. Brisbane won their first final by 27 points and their next one by 13 points. That's on expected score, Pez. If you look at expected score for Collingwood... They've lost their first two finals. Lost the first one by five and lost the second one by 19. So form is with Brisbane, and it hasn't been the other teams in Accuria that have really kept them there. So two units, Pez, as I said, Brisbane to win. I think that their list is really strong. I think if they can get going in that first quarter, then they will be on track for a, a nice big victory in uh, this year's grand final. Yeah, he's hoping, uh, he's hoping it definitely happens. Uh, it, it leads me into my next bet, where first quarter of a grand final is sometimes a little bit nervy. Sometimes players are getting used to that, that big crowd. Uh, the Collingwood players should be used to playing in front of you know 90 plus thousand people. They've done it the last, what, for three or four weeks. <laughs> uh, uh, but Brisbane, that, that might happen. Brisbane can't afford to have a slow start like they did against Carlton. Can't afford because they're against Carlton, they had three quarters to make the comeback. They were able to do it. If they go down by five goals to Collingwood, I don't think Collingwood's going to let up like they did in 2018 against the West Coast Eagles uh, when they were five goals up and lost the grand final there. So uh, just off, off the top of my head, thinking the first quarter is usually pretty tight. Uh, the defences will hold up. A lot of intercepting will be happening. It'll be low scoring at least in the first quarter. I'm going to be putting uh, a bet on the second half to be the highest scoring half of the game. Either the game will be dead like and, and it will be, you know, the third quarter will, it will just open up one side or the other and uh, the scoring will just go a lot higher. Uh, and in the last quarter, if it is a blowout, then the team that is up, the other team usually drops their head because they know they've lost the grand final and, you know, a couple of easy goals get let through. So second half, uh, $1.70 to be the highest scoring half. And what does that make it? I'm going to put, what have I got? My profit. If I lose you that three, three units. You got three more there, three point, <laughs> I'll put 3.24 units on it. Uh, so if I lose both of these bets and my bonus You're bets coming up, I'll have 30 uh, units of profit for the season so I'm just uh, throwing seven units I wouldn't recommend anyone just throw profit away 
But because we are a podcast and we, you know, putting a couple of bets out there, I'll uh, I'll risk that seven point two four unit profit. I really like that bet, Pez. Uh, I, I I like, um, and that's sort of the, the the stats talk to that. With you look at the margin for for the game, the general in that when the game sort of opens up. Uh, of the last uh, 10 grand finals where it's been only top four sides, the average winning margin has been 44 points. Now, there are, you know, there's the Richmond game against GWS and there's Geelong game that skews that a little bit, Pez. But there's been only three games where the result has been under 15 points, one game under 10 and four games under 25. So generally when that game gets going and the team uh, opens up, free-flowing football that second half. And, and uh, you know, they call it the premiership quarter for a reason. That's when a team normally gets control. The other team drops ahead. Well, the other thing that has to happen and if say a team's got a two goal or a three goal lead and, and the game's just going in their favour, you need four. Yeah. The coach the coach for the losing side has to change something in that third quarter. You, you gotta they've got to stop defending yeah. and they've got to start attacking. And what does that do? They either score goals or they get goals scored against. So uh, that's where that theory comes in for this game. Uh, for that second half high scoring. Yeah, I like that, Pez. Uh, what also I like is I like, um, I'm, I'm already leaning towards Brisbane. I've put my bet down there. Not leaning, sorry, I'm fully in on Brisbane. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that uh, in the last 12 years, Pez, all the grand final losers, the team not to win, uh, their, their scores have been under 80 points. And the Collingwood's line for total points is under 84 and a half, Pez. What I love about that is I don't think that they're going to win anyway. So that sort of proves my point there. But the last two finals, they haven't scored over 60 points. So, they're so playing, they could win the grand they final. They could win the grand final. Could still, still and I could still win that bet. So hopefully, though, if they do win it, it, it is one of the anomalies in the closeness of it because if they get rolling pairs, Brisbane drop their heads, that Collingwood crowd, I think, you know, 50% of that ground will actually really get them home. So I've put uh, two units pairs on uh, under Collingwood. Total score points are uh, 84.5, $1.87. There we go. I like it. Uh, I've only got my bonus from last week left uh have you got you know seven eight bets I've going i've or? only got my uh my i got three bets with my uh bonus from last week my two unit bonus from last week as so well so. so you split it up a little bit and i have split it and up put it over so what i've done is i've split my bonus from last week as well so i've split it into two yeah, and mine into three and i'm just going pretty cheeky i'm just gonna go uh, a big uh a friend of the show in cam rayner to to win the norm smith with half of my bonus bet Forty-one dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think he's to win the norm. To win the norm, Smith. I, th- I think he's got the potential. You know, he's he's popped up in games and kicked four goals and three goals in the past and taken some big grabs. He he does a lot of a lot of work in that middle of the ground when he goes in there with his big body and he is able to you know burst away from the stoppage, kick big goals. So if he can you know get three or four goals and be make a really pivotal role. Oh, I'm going to do that. I'm just going to throw money on there for no reason. But $41 pop on half of my bonus bet there. The it, other? It's definitely not for no reason, Pez, because the Norm Smith medal it generally is won by players that, you know, it sounds really dumb, but they have massive games. They, they, there's a little little bit of history that, no, yeah. but there's not not a lot of history that comes into it beforehand. And what, what generally happens, there's, there's a couple of categories. I went back through the last 10 years since Collingwood and Brisbane last time they played, or last, what is that, 20 years, sorry. 20. Uh, and the key stats from those players that are winning the Norm Smith during the season have all been players averaging plus 15 disposals. So 15 or more disposals, common sense, that, that, that's a pretty easy one. They're averaging generally four or five marks per game. And the big one, pairs is they're averaging eight, was 0.875 goals per game. So they're just under a goal per game. If they're going to win the Norm Smith, they need to have hit 15, 20 touches, 
and kicking goals, probably multiple goals, and they're tackling hard two pairs. So they're in those contests. The Norm Smith winners have all averaged three-plus uh, tackles. If you look at Cam Rayner, he's averaging, you know, f- uh, I think it's 14 disposals per, per, per game this year. He sits 0.92, so just under a goal per game, uh, and tackles – Two and a half per game. So he's in a couple of those major categories. He's got to bump it up a little bit grand final day of 20 exactly plus touches. right. And, and if he gets going, Pierce, he, he has had the potential to really blow open games. And we saw that last time that they played Collingwood, Pierce. He went nuts in that uh, that second quarter. Yeah, let's let's see if we can do that. Hopefully, a forty-one dollar pop I, I, on the bonus. I've put uh, I've put half a unit on that one as well, Pez, with my bonus bet. So I'm on I'm on him with forty-one dollars. Well, as well, well, there you go. So you like that's it, why man. I know all those stats. Yeah, <laughs> excellent, and that backs me up as well. So the other half of my bonus bet is going in another direction because even though this player, well, this is probably because this player is quite a selfish player usually in in all other games and all other Damn. assets. Joe Danaher, because he's got the potential to kick five or six, and if he does, he, he's going to be up there in top three in Norm Smith voting. It's and definitely not a midfielder's vote, this one, Pez. Very different to the Brownlow. Uh, very different, and the umpires aren't going to be, you know, voting for it and only voting for midfielders and not caring about forwards that kick goals. So Joe Danaher with the other half of my bonus bet there at $26 to win the Norm Smith medal. Well, the other half of my bonus bet, Pez, uh, the other half a, half a unit of that one, so point to whatever it is, two five point one two five whatever it is, uh, uh, I've gone with Zach Bailey. Um, so I've gone him for Norm Smith as well. $41, Piers, and, and his stats are actually a little bit better than uh, Cam Rayner's. So he averages in 16 touches per game. He's averaging 1.17 goals per game. You know, And in the last couple of weeks, Piers, he's had goals... Two goals, two goals, one goal. He's right there and averaging three tackles per game. And he's one of those guys that could absolutely destroy you in a five-minute burst, being uh, the the um, umpires and the media's mind going into that. And that's all he needs, a Johannesson quarter, Pez, and uh, he can win the, the norm right there. He can definitely kick uh, three-plus goals easily. easily. And he's a, he's a maestro when it comes to forward 50 stoppages and uh, – can get that ball and get space and and be able to kick those goals. He's a beautiful set shot as well. And clearances too. He always comes out of it. Like he averages 2.5 clearances per game. Uh, he looks great coming out of those packs because when he gets out of that pack, he has so much balance and he's able just to snap around or he's got this, that set shot going on the run. Like I, I really like him at 41s. Oh, and because of these odds for these players, and if you're betting on Norm Smith, oh. there's 44, well, if you count the subs, what, 40 six players that are going to be on the ground oh, that day. They're, they're you're, up there for You're a not reason. expecting to win a Norm Smith bet. It's a fun little bet that you're, you know, watching the game. It's good something to watch in. for. You can watch an extra player. You don't know what's going to happen with disposals. But who's, you're not, who's up to the you're occasion. You're not going into it going, I'm, I'm betting this That's why our bonus profit. bets, Pez. That's why our bonus so bets bonus are on bets there. just for the listeners out there there. And the only other bonus bet I had, Pez, is I had uh, one more uh, bonus bet in there, $25, uh, one unit, on Oscar McInerney. I think that you know, if you look at the way Collingwood's played the last a two Ruckman. games, a Ruckman, I've got him to get 15 or more disposals, Pez. Not to win the norm. I, but he's pay- I was he's just looking at him for the norm. He's, if he's, paying, in there. he's paying three bucks, Pez, to get 15 or more disposals. If you look at the way Collingwood's played the last couple of weeks in that Ruck, they're really focusing on contesting that ball. Both of their finals, the Ruckman that they've played against Briggs and Gorn, have gone really close to that 15. Gorn the first week had 27 and you look at Briggs who's a key ruckman I think he had 11 last week both times this year Oscar McInerney against Collingwood against shit ruckmans have had 15 and 16 disposals and he's only done it five times this year and two of them against Collingwood three bucks bonus bet on that one for him to get 15 or more in a contested game when we know what uh, what Brisbane sometimes do is they can just bang it on the boot forward I love that 
Imagine him getting the normie. The norm, what's he, what's he paying for norm? Oh, oh look, sixty-seven dollars. I sort of want to put just a cheeky five on that one, just for the for the sake of it, Piz. <laughs> cheeky. Well, there you go. It's on. <laughs> it's not. On, it's not. On. <laughs> oh, you know, I've got that much profit. I could probably put five on each, mate, and just hope that he gets up and uh, clean up. You could, but you want to. Uh, not smart, you want to try and get this hundred, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Look, all there, I need so. is one of those norms to get up, Piz, and I am on the hundred. Yeah, well, I need one of them. I'm on 30. 30 units of profit, no matter what, for the season. So uh, great season. very handy, very happy with that. And uh, it, by the sounds of things there, Source, uh, we shouldn't drop below 120 unit profit, which is what we got in 2022. I mean, I normally have a couple beers on, uh, on oh, the final morning. And I, norm- I normally start pretty early as well, Piers. I am going away this weekend. First time ever actually going away. We've got, we got a nice little uh, pub package for $40 all you can drink, including cocktails, starting at 11 all the way to the last bounce, or wow. the last siren. Pretty impressive with that one, Piers. Yeah, Love uh, that. And that's, that's win-win because if the game's a blowout like it was last year, you, you got the free oh, I'm hoping it's going to be a contested game, but uh, that's where I normally get in trouble. So if you are going to have a bet, make sure you drink responsibly while you're betting responsibly because that can be very dangerous during <laughs> finals because everyone's talking football and you hear someone, you're like, oh, you know what? They make a really good point. I might just chuck a cheeky five on that. You talk to the next bloke or the next, you know, the next girl coming along and they're like, oh, like, you know, I think that, you know, with this, this and this, they've got an earth. And you're like, oh, I don't mind that. You know, a little five here, a little 10 there. Don't you it, be getting uh, tempted there, Sauce. I'm uh, always tempted with value. I'm not going to be tempted there because <laughs> on uh, on Saturday I'll be at the MCG and it'll be a, a very, yes. very good day. Yes, make sure you bring the tissues for your nosebleeds. Or it will be a very, very, very poor day. Um, if, if Collingwood go out and blow them out, a leave early job for you? Oh, I don't know. Uh, it always depends with the people you go with as well, doesn't it? So yeah. Heading with your brother? Yeah, with my brother. We'll see. We'll see what happens. It'll be very interesting. All right, that's been uh, Behind the Boundaries last show because we always say we're going to do something in the off-season. We never, we yeah, never do it. it. You've got two li- little young ones at the moment. <laughs> uh, we'll get back next season. Make sure you jump on all our socials. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Hopefully we get a few videos out there, Pez. And for everyone who is having a punt, just enjoy Grand Final Day. It's all about the uh, celebration of, the, of our great game and something that we love to uh, talk about and celebrate. Let's Go Lions. I'm Pez. Peace out. I'm still Sauce. We'll catch up next time. Now